When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Football Social Daily. Premier League updates. Hello, welcome to Football Social Daily. We're now into October, which is the third month of the season already. Arsenal versus Manchester United, the game at Old Trafford last night. Monday Night Football wasn't the greatest advert for Monday Night Football, it has to be said. Um, I listened to the game on the radio and I'm quite glad I did because by all accounts, I think everyone was absolutely bored to tears. So we'll be discussing that. We'll also be discussing this week's Champions League action. Manchester City hosting Dinamo Zagreb in the Champions League at the Etihad this evening and Tottenham welcome Bayern Munich, the German champions, to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium as well in their group. So I'm Niall McCorn. Joining me in the studio we've got Phil Hudson. Hello Phil. Morning And we've got Adam Brown. Hello Adam. Hi Niall, you alright mate? I'm very good and I want to start by talking about Arsenal against Manchester United or should I say Manchester United against Arsenal. Let's stylize it properly. Why does this game not have the same draw that it used to have I think it's quite obvious in terms of you know the two teams aren't as good as they used to be um, but still you kind of felt a little bit compelled to at least listen to it or watch it just because of what it once was but it didn't it didn't deliver in terms of a spectacle it finished 1-1 in the end you've kind of answered your own question there it's because I know it's good but at the same time the media went out of their way to try and reignite all that sort of old school Wenger versus Ferguson rivalry this week the amount of times I've seen Martin Keown growling at Ruud van Nistelrooy after he missed that penalty and things like that. You just think, you're trying to manufacture something that's not there. You're talking about two sides that will probably both finish in the top six. I watched the game and it, it wasn't terrible. Everyone's like, oh, it was rubbish. I, I didn't think it was that bad. It was relatively exciting. There wasn't a massive amount of quality on show. Neither, neither side looked fantastic. Part of that could be that the other side was quite good at stifling them and all this, but the scene, it was a little bit sloppy. It was absolutely light years away from what that game used to be. The, the years of the United and Arsenal being exciting. And it, obviously the players aren't as good. That the, the, Both squads are a lot less, you know, in terms of quality. But also the style of football. I mean, you know, they were always both teams were always known for attacking football and yeah. exciting. And maybe I was being a bit naive to think, oh, we're going to have a good game. I thought it was awful. I, I thought think, it was I think, awful I think to everyone watch got excited night. about it because the media carried all this United versus Arsenal to massive game. It's... Fifty-six. It's two of the biggest clubs in English football, though. It, it's, but it's one step up from Wolves v Leicester in Leicester. terms of league position, not yeah. in terms of club stature, but in terms of where they'll end up finishing. It's it's not it's there's not much in it now. Yeah, I think last night it was it really. I mean, I know it's you know United and Arsenal, but both te- not as clubs as teams at the moment. They're nowhere near what they used to be. But I think last night it was more evident than ever. Like watching two teams, it's like two. Former giants, you know what I mean? It's just like watching going, Nigel Ben's next fight's going to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but it was for me. It was, it was, it was, it was a little bit. And this is a Man City fan. A little bit sad to see two former, you know, teams that at one point were the, 
you'd always get an amazing match, exciting end-to-end stuff, great football on show, talented players. We had none of that last night, and it was it was it was boring to Hang watch. Fire. There's still there's still some fantastic footballers in that game. Some really? Fanta- oh, some fantastic footballers in that game. Obama Yanks, a oh, great right. player. Oh, right. Yeah, he is a great player. Lacazette's even very, very good. Well, Pepe's a great he didn't play, did he? Pepe, but, Pepe looks distinctly saying, average. I think Pepe, Pepe looks, looks bang average. 70 million. He, I wouldn't have paid 17 million for him at the, at the yeah. way he's performing at the moment. Give him time. New to the league. I get it. I think there's something about him. But on. also, you know, De Gea, this, this proper football is in that game. Let's not, even though they're going to finish probably fifth and sixth, let's not denigrate the players that are there. Yeah. There were some world-class footballers yeah. right. playing but in that who, football But match who yesterday. last night on that pitch, apart from De Gea, and, well, who's going to get in the, the teams that, that played in 2002-2003, Arsenal and United? It's a fair question. Aubameyang? Yeah, maybe. Well, uh, coming off the bat. Uh, well, over Henry. Henry and Burkamp. But do you know what I mean? It, it, it's, my new team. I think, you know, yeah. <laughs> no, but the, the point is, that obviously the quality's gone, but you'd still think to yourself... Is it just that the players aren't getting up for that game as much anymore? Like you say, you well, know, is it United go actually Arsenal that they are? For, it's different to United playing Liverpool or even City. I know there's well, obviously history there. The but, ga- that game now, though, the, the, like in today's era, is Liverpool Man City. Yeah, which is fair enough, yeah. and and you can understand why because they're the two teams battling they're out the at the top of the Premier sides. League. So quite a, simply, a more, a more sort of contextually correct comparison would be to say, how does United Arsenal? Sorry, Manchester United Arsenal. How does that compare to? Liverpool versus Manchester City now. That's a better comparison. Yeah, you're right. Because, I mean, like, if you compared Bournemouth and Watford from 20 years ago, it's going to be a very different game to the MECD. Sides move on. It's just something you've got to accept. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. And But but you say about players getting up for it. We saw the VT before the game of Roy Keane and, and Patrick Vieira going at it in the tunnel and referees and players having to hold Keane back and, you know, doing the old point and I'll see you out there sort of thing. You know, whereas you cut to the before the game yesterday and you see David Luiz hugging Fred in the tunnel, hugging Pereira in the tunnel, everyone's shaking hands, everyone's very friendly. As Phil says, football has moved on, but it is a far cry even in that sense from, from what we used to see. Yeah, I mean, is it like, have they just accepted it to go, look, we're never going to compete, it's all very friendly, it's all not... I'd be, you'd be up for every game, wouldn't you? I, I think that's just the differences in football now. I, Liverpool, Man City, there'll, there'll be guys shaking hands in the tunnel before the game because they know each other. You know, the international teammates, stuff like that. There's no genuine hatred. The thing that set the old Manchester United and Arsenal rivalry apart was that there was this feeling that the teams genuinely didn't like each other. Yeah. Well, I remember Rio Ferdinand talking about how he used to be best mates with Frank Lampard. And then when he went to Manchester United after he left Leeds uh, and Lamps was at Chelsea, that they just didn't speak because Rio wanted to win everything with United and Lampard wanted to win everything with Chelsea. And that friendship broke down just through the love of winning, which yeah. is what you see in characters like Roy Keane, which maybe isn't as, as prevalent now. But I heard that as well, even when they went on international duty, apparently they'd stick with their own like club teammates, even Ferdinand and Lampard, who were obviously you know historically big mates going through the academy at West Ham. Like Lampard had stick with the Chelsea lads yeah. and like Real Ferdinand with the United lads, and he's that more. I don't know. I mean, I, do you think that's a bad thing though, Phil? Because I think that it's great to want. To, I mean, I'm not saying you have to hate someone because they play for a different team, but it's the passion, the fire. I didn't see any of that last night. And whether we're not going, oh, we're not going to the league, so we're not going to go for it. You got have so, the only Dan, like Dan James, who seemed like he was bothered to me last night for United. Do you not agree? Like, what, there's no fire for me. To I think we're talking about two different things. We're talking about the the attitude of Manchester United players last night is one thing, and there were some. I thought McTominay looked very. Bad. Yeah, I mean, I did, yeah, McTominay. But but I I know what you're saying there. But to compare that to the idea that you wouldn't speak, 
you know, you would have your cliques on England duty 20 years ago, mm. that it's not the same thing. Right, yeah, but you know, the, the, the cliques only happen because the players were so driven to want to win at a club level. Do you know what I mean? And all right, may, maybe that was detrimental to England's success when we had the golden generation or whatever, and they couldn't make it click, you know, and the England team now seems a lot more together. But for me, the, the, there was no passion there was no fire I'm not saying I want Roy Keane to be kicking the air I don't want any of that I'm not saying no, yeah. there's got to be someone flying in doing two footy tackles and all that I just felt like there was no no one took the name took the game you know no one seemed like they wanted to go out and win they haven't got there was nothing there for the, me last the, night the, and it was for either side it was worrying the players they've got those two sides they haven't got someone who's going to grab the game by the scruff of the neck in the same way they just haven't and the, the one guy who can do it doesn't seem to be that bothered Pogba correct I mean, the thing is, it, and people go, oh, it's easy to take a shot at Pogba, but I'm telling you something. The amount, I mean, when there's that much of a transfer fee applied to someone, how much money they spent, you, you are going to have more people crit- criticising you. Same with Pepe. It, for me, last night, I couldn't believe that he cut. He didn't play any better than the young lad who played uh, Saka, is it, who played for yeah, last yeah, night? Saka, yeah, yeah, Didn't look any better to me. Pepe, 70 million quid. I thought, really? Uh, Pepe's, I mean, Pepe's record says he's going to be very, very good, doesn't it? I mean, his record last year in France was outstanding. Luke de Jong's record in the Dutch lead is, is phenomenal. Come to Newcastle, got injured, couldn't score a goal for Toffee. Wasn't that great for Borussia Mönchengladbach? He was fantastic in As You Like It, though, in Newcastle on the lash. <laughs> I've never seen a guy. I've never seen a guy. He moved better on that dance floor on New Year's Eve than he moved his entire career in St. James' Park. I'm not even joking. Very good. He was rapid. But I'll tell you what, for me, last night, I mean, I've got a, a lot of men, my mates. We've got a big WhatsApp group. It's kind of 50-50 United City. And I said, I said, you know, as a City fan, I'm, I'm not even saying this isn't in a biased way. There's only three players at United now that I think uh, that are actually that I would consider keeping and building the team around, and that's De Gea, Maguire, and Wambasaka. Dan James has got a lot of potential. McTominay, keep him. I don't think he should be the man who's the engine room. He's United, not the man, though. is he? No, he shouldn't have to. I don't think he should be. They shouldn't be putting that much pressure on a young player like that to play every game, to be the man who's holding together Manchester United's midfield. But mm. Tomine, he's the kind of guy you want to bring on in 70 minutes when you're winning a game or, you know, playing. Close the game the, out or something. Yeah, like, yeah. like you shouldn't yeah. be there going, it's a lot of pressure on a young player that. And let's face it, Manchester United got into the lead through. It was a great goal from McTominay. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't see how else they were going to break the deadlock. I mean, they looked reasonably lively on the counter with Dan James with his pace. Uh, and eventually, you know, his cross to, to Rashford was deep and Rashford cuts it back. And then McTominay puts it in the top corner. But for Arsenal's goal... Fantastic bravery from Xhaka as well on the goal. Ducking <laughs> yeah. out of the way of the header. <laughs> the new captain. Well, yeah. um, but, but, but for Arsenal's goal, VAR came into play. The assistant referee made a, a clear and obvious error. Which is what VAR should be for. But should he have kept his flag down and then waited for VAR to check. Because there is an argument that the defenders, as soon as they see the flag goes up, uh, and David De Gea go, OK, it's offside. Yeah, and then the goal goes in, and then the defenders have a, uh, you know, they have a case to go, well, actually, we stopped because the flag went up. Yes, you're absolutely right. The linesman should keep his flag down. But in that particular instance, that's not what happened. De Gea tried to make the save. The defenders didn't stop. So it's not necessarily appertain at that point what we've also criticized officials for at the start since the start of the season has been that VAR's given them an opportunity not to make a decision and that they've become quite passive and effectively allowed VAR to referee the game at times so this official yeah he got it wrong which was shocking at least he at least he wasn't passive at least he wasn't abdicating his responsibility to VAR he, he made a decision and cracked on with it again I go back to what I've said about VAR at the start of the year if if a, if a, you don't like it have an appeal. But 
in that instance, I don't know how the linesman puts his flag up. The goal scoring chance is gone. What's Arsenal's redress? He's probably got to let them play on, really. Well, this is the thing, isn't if it? If Aubameyang stops when he sees the flag... If it's the other way round... There's no goal. Surely we must have the technological ability, and this is going to make me incredibly unpopular when I say it, to automate offside calls. The camera angles they use, I'm not convinced with. I think the frame rate's too slow, but we're getting into a whole different kettle of fish. Well, but... yeah, but the, the idea of offside is that there's, you know, just change the rules so there's got to be daylight or, you know, whatever. Have, a, have an objective standard and have a sideline cam. Yeah. How, how hard can it be? I know what you mean, though, Niall, about the you know defenders. If you you know you're brought up and you're tra- you know you you're used to playing you know to the you see a linesman's flag and your instinctive reaction as a defender is to start. Oh, it's yeah, outside. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. You, and then, you feel like you've got away with one there. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, but that's the way it is. Um, just quickly because we need to move on. Um, are both sides now worse than Leicester City? Will Leicester finish above both Manchester United? I, I don't Arsenal? want to talk about Leicester City. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, I don't think they'll finish above uh, either of them. I think it'll be very close. I think on paper Leicester aren't far off United. I honestly. think I think Arsenal will finish above Manchester United. I think Leicester will finish above Manchester. United. I'm kind of in the market to agree with Niall there because I, I I wouldn't have said Leicester will finish ahead of Arsenal because I think Arsenal have too much firepower up front mm. and they'll score a lot of goals. Leicester if Vardy gets injured. They'd have to kind of fundamentally. They haven't got another guy who can play on the last man like Vardy, and it would change how they're set up and stuff. But in terms of how good the side looks, you'd have to say Leicester. Yeah. Leicester look better than both of them. They've got that togetherness yeah. that, that they had under Ranieri as well, which is, I mean, what happened last time. I'm not saying they're going to win the league, but they've got that belief uh, about them. And Le- they, Leicester, they look dangerous. Leicester look Leicester. like the one two could bolt into the top four. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. I'm sure if you're a Leicester City fan, you'd certainly be feeling confident after what you saw last night. So Manchester United won, Arsenal won. Next up, we'll be talking about the Champions League fixtures for our Premier League clubs tonight. Manchester City host Dinamo Zagreb and Tottenham welcome Bayern Munich to North London. We'll be back after this. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Premier League updates. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. I'm Niall. Alongside me in the studio, we've got Phil and we've got Adam. But also on the line, we've got David Mooney from the Blue Moon podcast covering all things Manchester City because it's a big Champions League game for the Blues tonight. They host Dinamo Zagreb. Uh, and Manchester City fans have had a, well, it's fair to say, a love-hate relationship with the Champions League. So, David, in your opinion, is that going to change this season? Are Manchester City fans going to get back on board with the Champions League? It's an interesting one because I think the the problem with City in the Champions League isn't, it, it, it's not, it can't be summed up in, in kind of like, oh, the fans have fallen out with it and that's it. I think the the group stages are a big problem. Um, you've seen already City have won the, the opening group game. Uh, they win tonight and, you know, they're, they're in full control of the group. And there's, there's then very little jeopardy on the remaining games in the group. So it's very difficult to kind of get, uh, the, the kind of get rid of the malaise out of the uh, out the feeling for for, for those games, um, but I think you, you notice when it gets to the knockout stages, I think City fans are much more on board with it and much more involved in it, and I think that that'll that'll uh, that'll happen again this year, providing uh, first off City get there, which I think they will, and uh, and then they get some good draws. I think the the flip side of that coin, you say, well, back in in 2011, 2012, when they were first uh, in the in the Champions League. They were they were handed difficult group after difficult group, and there, were, there was something riding on every one of the games. And City fans weren't happy with that then. And I think that the reason they weren't happy with that back then was because they were going in in, in 2012, I think it was, as champions. 
and they got drawn against three other champions from other leagues and they'd witnessed you know other teams from uh, from the country get easier draws through winning their own league so i think the the kind of learning curve that city fans have been on in the in the what is it eight years that they've been in the champions league now um it's been it's been a very steep one and and kind of positions have changed very quickly on it over the over the last few years how dangerous are Dinamo Zagreb? Because obviously they got off to a flying start for their Champions League campaign, winning 4-0 against Atalanta, who themselves, I think, are Champions League newcomers. So I think Rodri was saying in his pre-match press conference that, um, you know, don't take Dinamo Zagreb lightly. I think it should be a routine win for Manchester City by all accounts. But the Champions League always tends to throw out these uh, these shock results at times. Right. It does, but I mean, what, that was one of the things I was saying there is that it doesn't really matter if City don't win this evening because they've got opportunities that they that they can sort out uh, later on. And I think the the fact that they've got the back to back against uh, Atalanta will really help them out. Um, I mean, I I don't know a, a great deal about uh, about Zagreb. I've, I can't confess to having studied them in depth and uh, and, and looked at them in detail. Um, but the, the you know the the opening fixture against uh, Atalanta and a, and a big win there kind of. It tells us either one of two things: either Zagreb are, are, are quite good, or Atalanta are the whipping boys of the group, or maybe it's a mixture of both. So it's you know it's it's really difficult to tell off uh, off just one game. Um, I think City being at home, it, it, you would expect them to to win all three of the of their home games in uh, in the table this season, um, and I think that that's probably what just edges it. And I I, I don't really see many kind of really big score lines for City in this group. Okay, they did uh, they did well in, in Shakhtar in uh, in the first game. But I think generally Champions League games for City are quite tight and quite cagey and I think it all comes back round to the idea that that you don't have to play at this at this rip-roaring pace, you know, all the time to get the result that you need. And you look at what Pep Guardiola what what his uh, what his objective is get the group done and dusted out of the way and focus on the Premier League until Christmas. And then the Champions League really kind of takes hold after Christmas. So it's just about making sure that, that however they do it, they get the points on the board. What do you think Guardiola's standpoint is on the Champions League? Is he, is he really that arsed, for want of a better term? He said in his press it won't kill him not to win the Champions League again. But I think the, the weird thing with it it clearly, it clearly gets to him. At the end of last season, he kept talking about, kind of really sarcastically making comments about how um, people talked about him as uh, as a failure for not having won the Champions League again. And I think the when it comes around to, to, to kind of this season's tournament, he'll do the same again when it gets towards the knockout stages if City get knocked out you know, in the in the last sixteen or whatever, he he will again make that same sort of comment. So I think it clearly gets to him on some level. Um, but also his his and the club's aspiration, I think, is to win it. And I think that there is a, a real big disconnect between what the fans, where the fans put their priority and where the club puts the priority. And it's kind of, I think this season is a lot more about kind of trying to meet that in the middle. There's a, I know there's a lot of fans this season that previously would have said they prefer the, the, uh, to, do, uh, to have success in the Premier League. Uh, that they that they would quite like to see City go on and uh, and actually focus on the Champions League this season. It's not it's not a big headed oh they've won the Premier League two times running the, the you know they don't need to focus on that thing anymore. It's it, it's kind of it's almost like it's it, it is that step one in that 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 kind of getting back on board with the competition. Um, for me personally, I, I still much prefer the Premier League and much prefer the the domestic side of it. Um, 
that isn't to say that I wouldn't enjoy a Champions League win and that you would uh, that you would turn your nose up at it. Um, but I think it's uh, again it all comes back round to you know as soon as the knockout stages get here, then we'll start to talk. Up until then, it's just a bit. It feels a bit of a bloated competition up to that point. Thanks for chatting to us, David. Where can we find the the Blue Moon podcast? Uh, just whack it into Google. You'll get all sorts of links on there. BlueMoonPodcast.com as well. Uh, we're on Spotify, iTunes, all the usual places. Talk to you soon, mate. Cheers. Brill. Thanks very much. That was David Mooney from the Blue Moon podcast. Adam, um, you really want to win the Champions League, don't you, as yeah. a Manchester City fan? This one you haven't got. It's, you... it's, it's, it's the best competition in club football. I Do think. you know? I, I know what David's saying there about you know, oh, City fan, the, the group stages. The rest of it, but you know, think about it. It's much, it pains me to say it. Twenty years ago, you were playing Gillingham in the playoff right. final. Yeah, but do you remember? <laughs> you need to get a grip. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, but right. Everyone, Man City, we're amazing. We've played this amazing football. We've got a brilliant team. We've got. We are phenomenal we're a great side at the minute we need to win the champions league to arrive properly as a massive club we need to do it we need to get there we need to get to them final stages tottenham got to the final last year liverpool right here's a case in point liverpool fans how they approach the champions league i know they've got the history they've won it multiple times what was the excitement like with liverpool and their fans with the champions league it's everything to them they love the champions league they're all in on it all right they've not had the success domestically they've not won the league you know not won the premier league but I want the same level of excitement from us City fans about the Champions League as Liverpool show. And I do think you can do both of them. I do think you can win them both. It's a stretch, but we've got the squad to do it. And I don't see why we're not up there competing. Pep's got the experience. We've got the, we've got the manager to do it. We've got the players. The fans have got to get behind it. I'm not saying, you know, we've got to do our part as fans now, I think. Well, and actually gonna, go and so do you, it. Are you going tonight? But David's got a point because you're going to get through the group stages. Of course oh, hang we on, are. Hang on. Hang on. Yeah. Are you going tonight, Adam? No. So everything you've just said there is <laughs> not dependent on me. Why? Well, well I'm you've got to get I'm behind pr- it. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. Are you going? No. Where do you live? <laughs> Manchester. But how far, that's how far the from the ground? I've got plans tonight. That's what, the point. What are your plans? He's, playing, playing, for <laughs> He's playing Dinamo Zagreb. <laughs> I was going to say, the Great British Bake Off. I've, I've just been online. You can get a ticket for 20 quid tonight. Right. Well, if I've got another City fan come with me, I'll go. I'll go with you. I'll go with you. No, I couldn't. Right, let's you doubt, I couldn't have you down here all night about how bad City are. But when Craig Belly was in the Champions League, he'd have done better. We're going to get through the group stage. That's not, not the point. The point is, when we get to the later stages, we've got this like defeatist attitude about the Champions League that we're not going to win it every year. I don't think Europeans, the the top European clubs, are scared of Manchester City. Well, they're not. They I should be because they they're mint. They are mint, yeah, but, but for some in, in England, you see Manchester City beat Watford 8-0 and you go, oh no, we've got to go to the Etihad next week. For whatever reason, when you're Juventus or Real Madrid, you don't think, the Etihad, oh, we're really scared. It doesn't really work like that in Europe for whatever reason. I don't know why. The fear factor... Probably because it's not as hostile an atmosphere. I think, I think that's part of it. And I think people have seen European nights at Anfield and Old Trafford and places in England over the last few seasons. Manchester City haven't been good enough in the Champions League for long enough to build up that fear. Yeah. Do you think that's what it is? I think there's an element of that because we are still relatively new to the Champions League, really. Yeah. Like, relatively new. That's what I think it is. Yeah, and I think that even though Liverpool, you know, look, they've got the, the heritage of winning the multiple Champions Leagues and all the rest of it, but don't forget they were amazing in Europe for years. I'm talking 20, 30 years ago, you know, even longer before that. So they've they've got the you know the teams that have got that heritage, regardless of whether or not they're doing well domestically. Yeah. Oh, we're playing Liverpool in, in Europe. You know, we're not quite at that level yet. We will be eventually. I'd love to get a, a, a European Cup on the board first. Then we start building that heritage as a great European side, which I think we will get there. We just we need to get there soon. I think you need to get there soon before Pep leaves. Yeah, that's what I think. I really do think we need to. Do, we need. We've got the manager, we've got the team. I just think we need to 
get over that final hurdle. If you win it, would Pep go? I think there's an element of closure there as well. I do think that... I know they're saying about, oh, he's not bothered... But that's he's like massively bothered. That's like you, you know. You, that's like when bothered. you say when you're not bothered about something, but really you are. You know, like you go, oh, I don't, didn't want to do it anyway. But yeah. you really wanted to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm glad I didn't go. Yeah, really, you got you missed out. Of course, he's bothered. I do think there's an element of it. If he does win it, he possibly might go a year earlier than he was going to plan on going. Maybe. How many are you going to get tonight? Do you reckon for this game? Forty thousand. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Around that. So, but why, what's the? What, I don't. Don't try and turn the this back on me. Is, no, I'm not trying to say about the, I don't want to get, the issue with City is that all right, yeah, the Champions Basically League, the issue with City is you're too good. Yeah, and the fans not, have taken how good you are for granted. That's the issue with City. I know what you're saying. But just on the subject of the game tonight, um De Bruyne apparently isn't trained today. Well, from Schneidlin's scything yeah. challenge that went relatively unpunished at the yeah. weekend. So, so yeah, well, Manchester City hosting Dinamo Zagreb at the Etihad Stadium this evening in the Champions League. The other game uh, is Tottenham Hotspur versus Bayern Munich. Uh, how much of a worry should Bayern be for Tottenham, Phil? Tottenham should be worried because Bayern Munich are a good side and Tottenham aren't playing fantastically well at the moment. So, yeah, of course they should be worried. Bayern Munich have got some top-draw players. So, yeah, they should be worried. But Tottenham need to sort out Tottenham. It's probably not a fair barometer for them because Bayern are really really good they're not as good as they were five years ago but they're still probably in the top eight sides in Europe and so Tottenham aren't in the top eight sides in Europe in my opinion right now so Tottenham just got to sort Tottenham out that that's their be all and end all they probably should qualify from the group but Bayern will probably qualify as top well to be honest their result against Southampton at the weekend was a good one because they were down to they were down to 10 men they conceded the equaliser and I think everyone, uh, every Premier League fan felt that Spurs were probably going to capitulate at that moment in time. But in the end, they ended up getting back in front. Harry Kane scored a good goal for them. Um, a good result here against Bayern as well might be the catalyst they need again just to try and get things back on track. It'd be a great result if they could do it tonight. I, I can't see it happening personally. Um, but I think, yeah, if, if, they, if they can do it. Like you say, we can, you know, it wasn't a bad result for him really. Um, I just... Again, we've said it before about Spurs. Something's not quite right this season. It's just not happening, is it? And, no. I, and with all due respect to Southampton, who I think are not a bad side and they're quite progressive, coming up against Danny Ings and Nathan Redmond is a different proposition to coming up against Lewandowski, Coutinho, Muller. Coutinho's been awesome by all accounts as yeah, well. Yeah, Alcantara, you know, Kingsley, Kingsley, Kingsley Coleman. Coleman yeah, yeah. Wowie. They're, you know, they've got some... Proper, proper players by it. They drew 2 2 with Olympiakos, Adam. So, I mean, in terms of their European challenge, uh, was getting to the final last year the well, it was the best they could have hoped for, I think. Overachievement, really. I mean, they played, they played well in the Champions League. Did I mean, they had a couple of a couple of good nights, didn't they? But they Do you didn't... Know, I think they sort of limped. I, I think Tottenham limped over the line last season. I, I think we said this at the time. They just looked knackered. They looked so tired. Yeah. So leggy. And that seems that hangover seems to carry into the season. They won eight. They've won eight games. Well, nine games now since February. Yeah, and they've somehow managed to contrive to get to the Champions League final in that time. But they were incredibly lucky to get past Manchester City. They were I, lucky to get past Ajax, really. And you knew you were going to lose in the final. Do you know what I mean? They just felt like the, the it felt you, like you'd had all the sort of miracles yeah, you could have. Yeah, and they'd thrown everything at that, that, that semi final to get there, and then you just knew it was only going to be one winner. And I think there's a lot actually. What Phil said there about almost a bit of a hangover kind of vibe going on from that Champions League run into this season. 
I think there might be a bit of truth behind that as well. Um, I can't see them repeating in the Champions League what they did last year. I, I'd be very, very surprised if they got all the way there. I think they'll make it through the group. I think they'll do that um, relatively straightforward. It might have, like I said, the Olympiacos result wasn't the best, I suppose, but um, I can't see from too many problems qualifying from the group. Beyond that, I, I, I don't think, I can't really see them getting past last 16 quarterfinals max okay well we'll talk about the result from tonight's games tomorrow and we'll also be previewing the games tomorrow in the Champions League Liverpool uh, taking on Red Bull Salzburg Um, but Liverpool are also in the Premier League headlines today they might have to replay their Carabao Cup game against MK Dons which they won 2-0 for fielding an ineligible player they brought on a substitute with 27 minutes to go who hadn't got international clearance. Pedro Chirivella brought on by Jurgen Klopp. I imagine he didn't know because otherwise he wouldn't have brought him on. But anyway, Liverpool might fall foul of the authorities here. I'm going to stand here and say they should be kicked out of the Carabao Cup. Phil's grinning because he's got a comeback and he's been planning it for about 40 minutes of the show. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to sit here and say that Liverpool should be kicked out of the Carabao Cup. Instead, people are also arguing that the game should be replayed. Here we go, Niall McCorn, champion of the lower leagues, on his soapbox. Hey, don't say, don't say the Liverpool. lower leagues because Newcastle will be down there soon enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, the leagues will still be lower, mate. We'll just not be very good. <laughs> but the point the point is, like, no, I was I was grinning because I knew you were going to don this white cape and, you know, come preach out, and come out yeah, with yeah. this stuff. The, look, there's precedent in the League Cup that said the West Ham did this a few years ago and the game was replayed. So yeah. logically, that's what will happen. And bear in mind the kid, by all accounts, my understanding is Liverpool have been chasing this kid's international clearance from the FA for four month, three or four months. So And they've repeatedly chased and chased. So I, I think Liverpool are relatively safe in terms of they're not going to get kicked out of the competition. It's, in terms of transgressions, it's very, very small. It would have been very, very easy for Liverpool not to bring the kid on. I don't think for one second Klopp knew because, as you say, why would you bring him on in a game they were already winning when he's a youngin? They've literally brought him on for 20 minutes to give him some game time. Mm. It's not like, you know, it's not like they've played Mane with no international clearance and he scored three or anything like that. So I think, I mean, I'd like to know why you think they should be kicked out, though. Uh, well, t- to be honest, I just think that you say it sets a precedent and, and the reason you say that is... No, I'm not saying it sets in, a precedent. I'm no, no, there no, is a no, precedent. It, it is a precedent because in 99, uh, West Ham played Aston Villa. Emmanuel Omoyimmi was the man who came on uh, without international clearance or he was ineligible for whatever reason uh, back in that game. And that game was replayed. So you're right, there is a precedent there. But that needs to change. Because otherwise, you can just field an ineligible player and get yourself a replay. If Liverpool had lost to MK Dons, would they have still been punished for that? No, because their punishment is getting knocked Cause, out. Because so- they've accrued no advantage. Liverpool have accrued an advantage by bringing the lad on. Whether the advantage manifests itself in goals or whatever, they've accrued an advantage. There's no getting around that because they haven't had to play Fabinho or Mane or whoever. They've played, they've played this young lad. I think the advantage they've accrued is minuscule, but it is an advantage. Had they lost, their advantage is irrelevant because they lost. That's the distinction. What you're sort of advocating is that if I'm if you, if you know if you're getting beaten a cup tie with five minutes ago, let's bring on a kid out the crowd yeah. and get the game replayed. Well, clearly that's a different level of transgression. I think I think you've got to adopt a pragmatic approach and sort of say, what's really happened here? Liverpool have made an administrative mistake and should they be kicked out of the Carabao Cup? And probably not. Do you, I've got. I feel like if it was a, a lesser, a smaller club, I think oh, they'd come down go. a bit harder on me. This is because I took the piss out of City fans. <laughs> this is why you're <laughs> no, agreeing no, with I, know, I do think that because it's Liverpool... 
They're going to go a bit easier. If, if you're MK Dons, you're buzzing because you get a replay with Liverpool. Extra gate money, extra Liverpool will, li- will be livid because they've got loads of games. They've got to play in the World <laughs> Cup Championship as well. <laughs> Administrative errors. It's, it's it shouldn't happen. It's a bit small I, no, I, I, it, it should, Premier it League football club here. Yeah, like someone's going exactly. You can't play him. Like we've not got the clearance. You know what I mean? If you, it's like me, if I've not got a passport, I'm not going on holiday, am I? Do you know what I mean? I'm not going to turn up and go. Oh, well, we applied for it. Well, no, you're not flying. Soz. It's naive from Liverpool. It's so oh, no, naive it's, I'm not, from I'm Liverpool. I'm not defending Liverpool. I'm just saying that in the grand scheme of things, from a pragmatic point of view, the advantage accrued was minuscule, and realistically, they're not going to get kicked out. So, so whose fault is this? Liverpool's, L- not the FA for taking ages. Possibly, but it doesn't really matter because. Ultimately, Liverpool didn't have an international clearance to play the kid, so it's Liverpool's fault. I'm not. That, there's no doubt about that. That's why. But but the penalty is the replay. I don't even think they'll order a replay. To be perfectly honest, I think Liverpool will find a way to wriggle out of it. Just give them a fine or something. Can't wait for the soapbox to be adopted when Liverpool just get a fine. Bear in mind that Barcelona got fined three hundred quid for tapping up Griezmann yeah. the other week. Probably get about seventeen quid for a for a you know an administration. That's the tariff. Number. Yeah, yeah. If it was in Spain, fifty p. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Football Social Daily. Thanks for listening to the show. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss another episode. Thank you to Phil. Sure, thank you mate. to Adam. I've been Niall. And uh, if you've got an Amazon Alexa smart speaker, ask it to open Sports Social for Premier League match previews and match reports and daily news updates on your team. We'll see you tomorrow. Football Social Daily, Premier League updates.